Hello, and welcome to episode 21 of Killer Hangover. I'm Bettina. And I'm Beth. And this week we're going to talk about true crime and paranormal in Idaho. Way to go, Idaho! Okay, they hate us already. They're already (laughs) turning us off. No, wait, wait. (laughs) No, please, come back! (laughs) So this episode, I have the true crime. Yes. (laughs) Beth has a paranormal. Yes. You also have the drink. So what did you bring for us to drink? <laughs> so it worked out for you, Mom, because my liquor store, I ordered some beer from Idaho. And then when they delivered, because I'm still taking advantage of a liquor store delivering, they told me that they were actually sold out. Of Idaho beer? Of the Idaho beer. Wow. So you lucked out. So then I had to look all over the internet to try to find a cocktail and i found this website says that this is idaho's signature cocktail (laughs) i'm sure it's probably not it's probably the same website i (laughs) visit every time i look (laughs) 103.5 kiss fm out of idaho says that the spring whiskey sling is idaho's signature cocktail and this drink includes herbal tea oh so the Alcohol that's in this beverage is not from Idaho, but the herbal tea is. <laughs> All right. So I'm still following the rules here. Yes, you are. Bigelow Tea distributes their tea out of Boise, Idaho. All right. They have a large establishment there. So I got some decaffeinated tea because. Thank you. <laughs> we are recording this in the evening. But this drink calls for herbal tea, and you put it in a tall glass filled with ice, and it calls for whiskey mixed in, and then you garnish it with a slice (laughs) of lemon. I didn't have whiskey, because I don't like whiskey, so I exchanged it for bourbon. You know, Beth has to put her own twist on things. Close enough. And I didn't have any fresh lemon, so I put a little squeeze of lemon juice in there, and... It was not really to my taste, so I also put a few squeezes of simple syrup in there to make it a little more sweet. All right. And what what was this called? It's called a spring whiskey sling. All right. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Mm, I like it. That's all up your alley. It is. not really my thing. I'm really sad that they sold out the beer. Well, it's always fun to try, though, because you've brought some good beers. Yes, that have I know. totally surprised me. I know. So. so before we get started on the true crime, also, Mom, I reached out to a brewery in Idaho, and they're called the Payette Brewing Company, and that's P-A-Y-E-T-T-E, and they are located in Boise, Idaho, and... They have this awesome program called Buy Your Pal a Pint. Okay. So I bought two pints for two of our listeners. You did? I did. If you're in the area, Boise, Idaho, you're traveling through, you live out there or anywhere else, all you got to do is go up to the bar and you tell them, I'm here for killer hangovers, two pints. 
And then what you need to do after you do that is then you need to get on Facebook or your email and just shoot us a quick email at killerhangoverpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook and message us your email address so that I can give you the code for those free pints. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So I bought two of our listeners, two free pints. Go for it if you're in the area. I just only ask that if you get them, you send us a picture enjoying them. You can enjoy it with your mom. <laughs> or maybe you have friends. I don't know. <laughs> but enjoy a pint on us. Oh, that's great, sweetheart. Thanks for doing that. What a fun idea. And again, that's at Payette Brewing Company. In Boise, Idaho. In Boise, Idaho. All the right. place looks awesome. And the people that I have been in touch with are so nice. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So enjoy a pint for us. Heck. Maybe we'll beat you out there. You know, no, enjoy it find ourselves. Just, <laughs> let's get in the car and go. <laughs> All, All right, Mom. Right. Hit us with your true crime. I know you're so excited to share this one. Well, I am because I cannot believe that you haven't heard about this woman. I'm sorry. You're usually really on the ball. That's wow. <laughs> Already they dropped the ball, Mom. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. This is very, very relevant because it just happened this year. Okay. So I'm going to talk about the cult mom. Ooh. Name is Lori Ballow. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners know who I'm talking about. Because they didn't drop the ball. Yeah, like you. Sorry. So I'm going to tell you a story involving two children, eight marriages, a brother, and a niece. Oh, and I'm going to throw in also lies, <laughs> murder, a cult, and zombies. Okay, this sounds like a soap opera movie of some kind. It's not. Lifetime movie? It, 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 it will, yeah. It's crazy. Probably in the works. So, first of all, I do have to warn you. The timeline on this is crazy. So, if you have to have me back up, you know, just say it. So, if I drop the ball and get confused again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to actually write out a timeline for you to follow because Okay, it's Mom, that. I'm not that... <laughs> No, it is that crazy with a lot of players and a lot of unbelievable events. Okay. Okay. So I'm ready. Lori Noreen Cox was born June 26, 1973 in San Bernardino, California. At age 19, she married a high school boyfriend and divorced. At age 22, she married William LaJoya in Texas. I like that last name. She and William had a son, Colby, in 96, and then divorced in 98. In 2001, Lori married Joseph Ryan, who adopted Colby. And in 2003, the couple had a daughter, Tylee. Okay, now you know I love Dateline. Yes. Um, Watch it every week. So they had an episode earlier, I think it was February time frame, Mm -hmm. that first introduced the story to the viewers then they had another episode a follow-up episode on the first of may the dateline episode was called what happened to the children oh gosh i have a bad feeling about this and if you if you are interested i really suggest that you go on and and watch this episode which you still can it really goes into a lot of detail it's very well done Okay. So, which most date lines are, anyway. 
On this Dateline episode, Colby said that Joseph, the stepfather, was a very strict father who would often spank him and do odd things, like hit Colby's head and think it was funny. Mm. Now, Colby talked about his mother as being a really, quote, fun mom, and that a lot of friends from school also thought that she was the fun mom. I'm a cool mom. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. she was that mom. And uh, Colby and her relationship was um, <clears throat> a little different. Uh-oh. It was almost like, um, well, they would hang out a lot together and they would do a lot of things together. So the relationship was kind of like boyfriend and girlfriend, but without, you know, they didn't, not, without the gross stuff that you're thinking okay. right now. But okay. it's just, they did everything together. They okay. were really close. In fact, he said that when he did eventually get married, Lori became very competitive with his wife. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of sick. Weird Sucks for her. Um, needless to say, Lori and Joseph's marriage didn't last. They divorced in 2005. Two years later, Joseph was attacked by Lori's brother, Alex Cox. Remember that name? It will pop up again. Okay. He tasered Joseph and threatened to kill him. Alex was arrested and sentenced to 90 days in prison for this. The reason of the attack was to put a final end to the contentious child custody battle between Joseph and Lori over Tylee, the daughter. Right. The battle ended with Joseph's death in 2018. Oh, my gosh. Joseph died of an apparent heart attack. I, I mean, I'm sure it was natural... But when you follow the course of things, it really kind of was Odd it? circumstances. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just in the look she gave me. Was it? Was it? <laughs> I don't know, Mom. I don't know the answer. In 2006, Lori married Leland Charles Vallow. He converted from Catholicism to Lori's religion, which was the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Mormon. In 2013, Lori and Charles adopted Joshua, or J.J. Now, this is where it gets complicated. Okay, so where this could come from. J.J. is the child of Charles' sister's daughter. Okay. So it's his grandnephew. So her new husband's sister's daughter. daughter. Right. They, okay. So it's his so grand... So her, her new niece. It's his grandnephew. Oh. Okay. Okay? Yep. Okay. JJ Where's the whiteboard. We should be writing this. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I'm sorry. Some I stick should figures have done this. Here. JJ was a baby when he was adopted, and it was soon discovered that he was special needs. Why did they have to adopt him? Was it just bad circumstances where he was living? Well, from the date, from what I remember of the Dateline episode, the daughter couldn't raise him for some reason, and so actually Charles' sister. And her husband took JJ, mm -hmm. but they thought that JJ was probably better off with a house full of younger other kids, younger parents, um, mm. and other children. And so that's why Charles and Lori adopted him. Okay, he uh, was eventually diagnosed with autism and ADHD. He was very loved by the family, especially by Colby and Tylee. I mean, on Dateline, you can 
hear about, you know, Colby describing his relationship with his little brother. And it was just so sweet. And I think Tylee was old enough that it was kind of her baby. You know, Aww. she took really, really good care of the little boy. And in pictures and on Dateline and stuff, you could see he was just so happy. He's just a happy little boy. In 2014, the family moved to Kauai, Hawaii. It was as the family lived there that Lori found and read a series of doomsday books. Oh, no. The series is called Standing in Holy Places, written by Chad Daybell. Remember that name. Oh, no. These books, I think, had a great effect on the course of what is to follow. According to a friend of Lori's... Lori had become obsessed with the books and their author and the subject. The family lived for two and a half years in Hawaii before moving to Arizona. Wow. Okay. Now things really become crazy. Oh, gosh. (laughs) In 2018, Lori attended a Preparing a People conference where she met and spoke at length to Chad Daybell who happened to be a speaker at the conference. On December 5th, 2018, Lori joined Daybell on a podcast. Oh! Preparing a People, episode Time to Wire Up. She joined him several more times after that also. As what? Uh, Just just a a guest. guest? Mm -hmm. A guest speaker. About what, though? Time to wire up, dude. Oh, man. (laughs) It's a a prepper type of you know end of time we have to prepare for the end of time kind of thing okay two months later Lori told charles that she didn't love him or jj anymore and that she was the reincarnated wife of joseph smith who's joseph smith (laughs) (laughs) where's george coming in here i mean joseph smith was a leader in the Mormon church. Okay. <laughs> she was the reincarnated wife. I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. She was the reincarnated wife of Joseph Smith. <laughs> you can't laugh, Mom. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Charles filed for divorce. Yeah. And claimed that Lori threatened to kill him if he got in the way of her preparing for Christ's second coming. Which, ladies and gentlemen... Is marked for July 22nd, 2020. Oh, no. <laughs> so this podcast is slowly becoming Warrior Up. What's it called? Warrior Up. <laughs> Time to warrior up. Oh, boy. <laughs> In March, Charles withdrew the divorce petition because he wanted to make it work. Yeah, but okay. Four months later, Charles is dead. <laughs> she warned him. <laughs> He was shot by, can you guess? Her brother. Yep. Lori's brother, Alex, who said that he shot in self-defense. He told police that Charles came at him with a baseball bat. On the Dateline episode that I mentioned (sighs) earlier, you can see him sitting on a curb and he is continuously, as he's talking, he's dabbing the back of his head (laughs) like... Like the bat hit him on the back of the head, but when he withdraws his Kleenex, he's dabbing the back of his head. There's like nothing on the Kleenex. No, no. It was just like he was so hurt sitting on the curb. Meanwhile, this guy is shot to death in the house. Okay. Oh, my God. That's just my take on it. 
He claimed that Charles and he got into an argument and Charles came at him with a baseball bat. And like I said, there was very little, if any, blood. Charles was a fit man and in fact, he used to play baseball. So I think if he really came at Alex and he wanted to hit him, he would have hit him and he would have done some damage. You're right. He wasn't just a little... Sorry, my mind started to wander. These people's names are Charles and Alex, which is my (laughs) husband's name. My husband's name is Charles Alexander. Don't put them together. No, not on this one. Okay. (laughs) And he plays baseball. I know. I knew your mind. I knew where that was going. My mind started wandering. Sorry. Okay, back to the... Back to the story. Sorry. So the whole scenario didn't make any sense, but Alex was not charged with the death. They believed his self-defense story. Mm -hmm. Also in the police, so you saw the police video of him sitting on the curb dabbing his, you know, so it was real. It was real life. I mean, you know, you could also see the police on their video questioning Lori, who just drove up and she's leaning timing. She's leaning on the front of her car and she's just like, She's kind of, it was so weird. She doesn't seem upset at all. In fact, she kind of laughs because they just moved in. uh, And she goes, sorry, guys, to the neighbors that weren't really there. But sorry, guys. Sorry about all the police. What? It was weird. It was so weird. Her husband was just shot. And she's just like. And her brother is sitting there suffering from a baseball bat wound to the the back of his head. I know. Oh I know. my gosh. According to neighbors, that same night, there was a loud pool party at the house. That's sick. Remember, she does have two children with her, too. The next day, Lori lets Charles' sons from a previous marriage know about their father's death via text. Are you kidding me? So she doesn't call the ex up and say, hey, you know, can yeah, you tell? Yeah, let's have a conversation nope. for the kids. She texts them and say, hey, your dad is dead. Wow. A few days later, as Lori inquires about Charles' million-dollar life insurance, of course, she finds out that Charles had changed the beneficiary to his sister Kay. Good for him. So in Dateline, Kay said that Charles had actually foretold of his death. And he said, if anything ever happens to me, look at Lori. Wow. August 30th, Lori returns JJ's service dog, stating that there was a life change and they no longer needed the dog. In September, Lori, Tylee, and JJ moved to Rexburg, Idaho. So now we're in Okay, Idaho. here we are. <laughs> You're looking at me like, why did I look for a drink in Idaho? <laughs> to be near Chad Daybell. Mm. September 8th, Lori, Alex, JJ, and Tylee spend the day in Yellowstone. You can see pictures of them all posing at Yellowstone. Tylee is not seen again. What? Not seen again after that day. September 24th. Does she, is she follow her a missing person or is she just... No. So that happened, that day was September 8th. On September 24th, Lori notifies JJ's school that she's decided to homeschool and JJ will no longer be attending the school. Oh gosh. October 2nd, Brandon Bordeaux. Now he's a new player. (laughs) He's the ex-husband of Lori's niece. Okay. Okay. And her name is Melanie. And they're in the middle of a really bad child custody battle. He, in fact, has the children. 
okay. not Melanie. So Brandon is shot at while he's driving. It's a drive-by shooting, but it he's missed. He, I mean, he doesn't get hit. He identifies a green Jeep Cherokee, which happens to still be registered to Charles Velo. Oh, no. Who is? Who is dead. Yes. Dead. Exactly. So he's the one who was shot. <laughs> he's the one that was shot in self-defense, remember? Right. Okay. Got all those players? I think so. I know. I told you. Now I'm going to introduce Tammy Daybell. She and Chad have been married for 30 years and have five children. Seven days after Brandon's drive-by attempted shooting, she reported to the police that she was shot at by a masked man with a paintball gun. Ten days later, Tammy is dead. She was found in the morning in bed, not breathing. What is her tie to Lori? She is married to Chad Daybell, the author. Oh, okay. Yep, it's all coming together now. Okay, well, is it? (laughs) I mean, nothing comes together on this one. The death was ruled a natural... So she's threatened with paintballs. She's threatened with a paintball shooter, I guess. Um, and then 10 days later, she's dead. The death was ruled natural causes, but many wondered how a healthy, active 49-year-old woman just dies in her sleep. Is there poison in the paintball? <laughs> Forget the paintball. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so here's another twist. Okay. On October 2nd. So 17 days. And the whole time this little girl is just not seen or heard from again. And nobody is saying anything about this. The little girl and the little boy. Now, October 2nd, 17 days before Tammy's death, a $35.99 wedding ring is bought on Amazon. Whose account? Charles Below's account. Well, they were still married, so like... Honey, my... Charles is dead. I know, but they were married, so like, even if I died, Alex would probably still use my Amazon. <laughs> and if Alex died, I'd still use our Amazon. <laughs> so. Oh, and by the way, the ring was delivered to Lori's townhouse in Rexburg, the box bearing Charles's name. Who's going to wear that ring? Why is she buying Why a did Lori ring? need a wedding ring? A $35 wedding ring. <laughs> <laughs> on November 5th, two weeks after Tammy's death, Lori and Chad get married in Hawaii. Not Are only you... do we have a lot of players, but we got a lot of places. This is a really big clue game here, Mom. <laughs> on November 26th, back home in Rexburg, after the honeymoon, Lori opened the door to police doing a wellness check on JJ. They had been notified by his grandparents, Kay. Mm-hmm. and her husband, that they had not heard from him or Tylee. Lori tells them that he's with relatives in Arizona, and Tylee is away at college. The next day, police return to the house, only to find it empty of his occupants. Chad and Lori have disappeared. Does that mean Chad knows this woman has hurt her kids, probably killed his wife? Oh yeah, they're doomsday cult people. The Rexburg police begin a search for J.J. and Tylee because after doing some follow-up on what Lori had told them, they found out that she had lied about the whereabouts of the two children. They, too, meaning the children, are gone without a trace. Part of the search included Lori's storage shed. Inside, they found Tylee and J.J.'s bikes, along with toys, clothes, and other possessions belonging to the children. 
Video footage at the storage unit shows Lori and Alex moving things into the unit. Okay, now, I don't know if this has anything to do with the case, but I found it odd and interesting, and it just throws in a few more kinks. <laughs> oh, Great. On Keep November, them coming, Mom. <laughs> on November, Drink's not strong enough or anything. Golly. On November 29th, Alex Cox, so the brother, got married in Las Vegas. And the next day, Melanie Bordeaux, her niece, a recent ex-wife of Brandon, who was shot at, remember yep. him? Yep, 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 yep. Gets married in Las Vegas to Ian Pulowski. Were they okay. there together? Uh, they must have been. I mean, they got married within a day of each other in Las Vegas. I don't know. These people knew stuff, and so they get married, and now they can't use anything against them. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know because uh, I don't have this in my notes, but actually on Dateline, the FBI had actually asked Ian Pulowski, so the new husband, uh-huh. to find out what happened to the kids by entrapping Melanie. So he was wired and he had all these conversations with Melanie about the kids, mm-hmm. but nothing was ever really revealed. And then finally, he just went to the FBI and said, I'm not doing this. I love my new wife and she has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. And so he then was not going to spy on her anymore. And in this Dateline episode, you can see Melanie saying, it's just a bunch of coincidences. You guys will see that there's nothing going on here. Things are not adding up. So the police decide to look deeper into the death of Tammy Daybell. And on December 11th, her body is exhumed. Because we're recording um, a little earlier than when this is going to be released, this podcast, um, I do not know the results of her autopsy on her exhumed body. But it could be out by now. It it could be when this podcast is released. It could be out. I'm definitely going to follow this case. Oh, on December 12th, Alex Cox, the brother, is found dead in his home. What? I mean, honestly, when I was doing research on this, it was released that his death was due to a blood clot. This is like, but it's all natural, like a heart attack, a blood clot. We don't know what the wife died of, but like, there's no I'm way sorry. that I'm all these people very have all suspicious. these crazy coincidences. I'm very suspicious She obviously about found this. some way that can look natural to people. I know. I, I'm just saying. I don't Looks trust like anybody. I don't people. trust any of these players. Of course, by this time, our grandparents are overwhelmed with worry for the children. And Colby is too, the brother, the yeah, son. The older brother. He has not heard from the kids at all. Um, he was very close to them. He had not heard anything, and he hadn't really heard anything from his mother either. The grandparents offer a $20,000 reward for finding Tylee and JJ. The authorities stated that the children's lives are in danger and that they are sure Lori knows where they are, but she has refused to answer their questions. In fact, after finding Chad and Lori in Kauai, so they ran, they fled back to Hawaii... Golly. The police serve her with court orders for her to produce the children within five days. And she totally ignores the order. So that they can arrest her. On February 20th, 2020. So this happened just a few days before I was in Hawaii. Oh, uh, that's weird. 
Uh, Lori was arrested by the Kauai police and charged with two counts of, of desertion and non-support of dependent children, as well as resisting or obstructing officers, criminal solicitation to commit a crime and contempt of court. Now, a side note, as the police were searching through Lori's possessions, they found Tylee's cell phone. What teenager leaves her phone? Just saying. Seriously. But they've moved to so many places. They've moved around so much. Like, obviously, the children, unfortunately, are dead. But they could, the bodies could be anywhere. And it's so hard to have a case without any bodies. Because there is no evidence that the children are dead. No. There is, so bail was set for $5 million. Lori agrees to be extradited back to Idaho. And her bail there was dropped to a $1 million. At her hearing on March 6th, 2020. Oh, my gosh. I... I saw this in the news as well as you can see it online and she just she kind of like bounces I want to say into the, the courtroom she comes in smiling she looks smug and real confident and like really chill she's got her hair crimped and she's got eye makeup on and this bright red lipstick and the whole time she's Isn't she been in jail how much she gussied up for this hearing Oh boy. Knowing that cameras, I mean, this is a big case. This is well, a yeah. nationwide big case. Look at all the different coincidences mm-hmm. around her. And so she knew that there was going to be cameras everywhere. And so she gussied up for the cameras. She'd smile directly into a camera. Oh my God, that's good. Even when chills. she was sitting there, you know, at the table, mm-hmm. she would look and find a camera and smile. The lady, like, mm, mm. (laughs) anyway, Lori uh, appeared in court to ask for a reduction on her bail. No reduction. Still set at a million. So on May 1st, Lori appeared for another court hearing. Now, this time she has a mask on because it's Corona. Corona (laughs) Corona time. time. (laughs) So she has a mask on, so she's not as gussied up. She appears in court to ask for a reduction on her bail, but her request is denied. And, oh, by the way, the local bail bonds companies will not help her. Good. That's awesome. They say companies won't work with clients if they might be a flight risk. She sits in jail waiting for her preliminary hearing, which has been moved because of Corona Corona and is scheduled to begin on July 9th. 13 days before the proclaimed second coming of Christ. Oh, no. Is she still preaching that? Let me talk to you a little about the cult. Oh, Although Lori was Mormon, this group has very little to do with Mormonism. They're a fringe off of a fringe or a subgroup of a prepper group with some Mormonism thrown in willy nilly. <laughs> According to a May 6th article in the Idaho Press, Angela Stone, who is from eastern Idaho, talked publicly about the cult group with Rexburg ties. So Rexburg is the town in Idaho that Mm -hmm. they lived. Yes. Okay. She said that she was groomed by the group and was a part of it for only a short time. According to Melanie Palowski, the niece, who is also a member of this cult, Lori was interested in what Chad had to say at the Preparing a People conference 
Say that three times. Preparing the people. Preparing the people. <laughs> and so spoke to him after his talk. Chad immediately, taken in by Lori, believed that she was sent by God and was a translated being. What is a translated being? Oh, no. But I, oh, my gosh. So I'm quoting Stone right now. It is a being who can pass through portals and travel through the world in a different way. Yes, that would be Lori traveling around the world, killing people. But perhaps this is where the reincarnated wife of Joseph Smith comes in. I don't know. Another belief of the group is that people can become possessed by demons. In the Dateline episode, Charles's sister said that she had received an email from Chad Mm -hmm. in January 2019. The email informed her that Charles had been taken over by a demon named Nick Schneider. In divorce documents, it states that Lori said to Charles, Nick is your real name. Nick killed Charles and has taken his identity. Oh my gosh. Essentially, people become zombies and they must be dealt with. Is this for real, Mom? I'm not making this up. When asked, does that include killing someone stone said that murder would not be out of the question if there is a work that you have been commanded by god to bring forth and god asks you to take someone's life in order to bring forth that work we know our families are going to be together in heaven after we die so if it's what god has asked it will be done it's almost like they're abrahamic sacrifices there's only the heck there's only a very small number of people that are going to be saved on the day coming the 22nd of July. Uh, are you guys else, ready? Everybody else is doomed. And as I was reading, I got different things. But um, one of them said that they believe that the children had been taken over by a by zombies. Dark, a darkness. They were light. I hear you, Obi. Well, I don't know either. They were light and were taken into the darkness and they had essentially become zombies. Then Melanie said that they were in some camp safe uh, waiting for the Day of Atonement. Anything so about these So when is the children? case um, set to reopen because of Corona? July 9th is when she will go to court. So that's before the doomsday thing. Uh, 13 days before. Oh, man. So... This is going on right now. And believe me, I am following it like crazy. Yeah, the zombies are going to get you. It's <laughs> or else I, I'm a zombie. <laughs> oh, boy. So. Um, oh, my gosh. I don't know. I there are so many unknowns and she refuses, refuses to say anything to the police. These are her babies. Like, oh. I don't like that. You know what, mommies? You should probably just, to keep us up to date even better so that people don't have to wait every week, is that as something comes up or you read an article, you should just post it on our social media. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, and I'll post the links and stuff. Yeah, so that people can keep up with everything. Follow along. Hey, guys, it's Beth here. There's been a few updates in this case since we recorded the episode, so I wanted to give you the information. On Tuesday, June 9th, human remains were found on Chad Daybell's property. 
from aerial photos that seems police were searching in a field right behind his home. He was arrested, and it was confirmed the following day, June 10th, that the remains were those of Joshua, J.J. Vallow, 7, and Tylee Ryan, 17. His bail is set to $1 million, and he's facing felony counts of destroying and concealing evidence. His trial is set for July 1st. Like we mentioned in the episode, we will be posting updates of this case on our social media, We will definitely be keeping you posted on everything that's happening with this case. Okay, back to the show. All right, time for me to drink my drink and you to talk your talk. All righty, so let's talk some paranormal, shall we? I don't know why I talk like that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. All right, so this location is called Stricker Ranch. All right. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. It's located outside of Hanson in southern Idaho. Now, this place is really cool, with or without the ghosts, Mom. This area is the only remaining area still standing on the Oregon Trail. So the Oregon Trail runs through Stricker Ranch? It did, yes. It's still Still does. (laughs) Still does, I guess. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm so tired. (laughs) You made my brain like overwork with following who all those people were. I'm I'm tired now. Okay. So back in the day, it had a stagecoach station, a trade store, actually the only trade store in the area, a large barn for all the traveling horses, a blacksmith shop, a saloon, A house for the Stricker family, where they actually rented out rooms and housed people that were traveling on the trail. And the ranch actually had what is called a Joss house, which is a Chinese-like ceremonial temple that was used for the Chinese to smoke opium, which I guess was legal at the time, but people didn't like it. So they, like, made their own little place for them to do that. I'm not 100% sure on the history of a Joss the barn and house, the but I thought it was pretty cool that they built it for them. So, so is this a cattle ranch? I mean, how, how the money? Because of the trade post. It was the only trade post in the area. So if you were traveling on the Oregon Trail, oh, that's you the had only to, way stop to stop here. Okay. If you were heading out anywhere, you had to stop here. So this little ranch was, it was a connecting stop for the Oregon Trail the stage line, and the Kelton Road, which was another way for travelers to travel at the time. It was kind of like the Oregon Trail. It was just a little okay. smaller. Interesting. It was also a stop for miners from Snake River Canyon, which was just up the just up the road there yonder. <laughs> it had... So this was the only trade store in the area. So travelers had to stop gotcha. here. So this Stricker Ranch came about in 1865. The original Stricker home that was built in 1865 burnt down in 1900. And the one that still stands there now is the one that was built in 1900. The house is really cute. It's white and it has this light green trim and this big front porch. Really, really pretty landscaping. (sighs) I need to do something with my landscaping. (laughs) I hate flowers. I wish I had a green thumb like you. I definitely don't. Everything is dead. Okay, anyway, enough about me. Back to the story. So when the home burned down, the lady of the house, Lucy Stricker, 
She was said to be a very small woman. She actually pulled her heavy wooden bedroom furniture out of the home to salvage it on her own. And that bedroom furniture is still on display at the home today. Wow. So Lucy was married to Herman Stricker. He was a German immigrant. He had fought in the American Civil War and found himself and found himself. What is wrong with me tonight? (laughs) And found himself. He found himself. Oh, my God. With the opium. (laughs) (laughs) Found himself out here and he purchased the trade store and kind of set up home out there. Lucy and Herman maintained the trade store and the saloon, as well as rented out rooms and housed travelers in their home. God, that's a lot of work. Lucy cared and nursed those that even came through that were sick or dying. Man. So there's actually a story of a family that was traveling the Oregon Trail and stopped and stayed at Stricker Ranch. They had a six-year-old daughter that was very sick when they stopped. They stayed for as long as they could, but they needed to get going before winter set in. Mm -hmm. So Lucy actually convinced the family to leave their daughter with her. Oh, wow. And she would care for the young girl, get her back going. Did Herman and Lucy not have children? They did. Okay. They did. They did have children. But she would care for this little girl. And then in the spring, she would just send the girl on her way with another traveling family Heading out on the Oregon Trail. And that was the plan, and the family left her. Oh, my gosh. A week after the little girl actually died, and her gravesite is still at this very small cemetery there at Stricker Ranch. So the cemetery is like a mile from the Stricker home, and it's in today's actually in this cattle field. So if you want to go through, you actually have to like go through like all these little barriers because you're going into a cattle field oh wow there's this youtube video that i watched of these guys walking there yep it's a video of them walking the entire mile there (laughs) (laughs) and i watched the whole thing (laughs) waiting for something to happen research (laughs) didn't want to miss anything So they finally get to the cemetery and it's like super small. It's surrounded by this old wooden fence and there's like eight or nine gravestones there. They're all unmarked and they're like these large wooden headstones and then piles of stone and big rock and stuff where you can see where the bodies are lying. Right. But it's super isolated out there. There's this small, it's a road, it's a very small highway that runs alongside some of the trail that's leading to the cemetery. And that highway and that road is actually the Oregon Trail. They play this like really creepy music and then they just have like white font that goes across their video of them walking the trail. They had to do something. (laughs) So besides this road, which again is in the middle of the country, there's not a lot of cars at all. There's no buildings anywhere nearby. These two guys are just walking in the cemetery and they hear voices while they're out there. And they aren't the only ones out there. Well, I mean, (laughs) they are the only ones out there, but they aren't the only ones that hear voices like this. Wow, Beth, you almost ruined a ghost story. Voices. There are other people out there. So. <laughs> End of story. They hear voices and there are people there. So there you go. 
Lanterns are also seen when people are driving down that road. They say they see lanterns out in the field all the time, kind of just swaying, almost like residual of people traveling around, traveling across well, the Oregon Trail. That would be trail. crazy to see. So some of the known people that are buried out there in this little cemetery are that six-year-old little girl, a son of the Strickers who died when he was two. Lucy and Herman Stricker are buried out there, as well as Bill Dowdle. Now, the story goes, Bill was not a good guy. He had been sent to prison in Boise for stealing cattle. When he got out of jail, he stole a horse from town and headed out to Stricker Ranch to load up and head out on the trail. Remember, that's the only trade store, so he kind of had to go through there. Now, he'd stolen a horse from a very wealthy man in town, and they knew he had to stop out at Stricker Ranch, so they decided to head out there to get him. He was arrested outside the trade store yelling, I'll come back! And I'll make this town smell of dead meat. Ooh. Me. Dead me. Oh, typo. Dead men. <laughs> oh, I thought hey, either one is gross. Dead but meat. <laughs> dead meat. Dead me. Dead men. It's all gross. It's kind of funny that he's now buried in a cow field. Yes. So, and when he got out of jail, that's exactly what he planned to do. He came back out to Stricker Ranch and he shot up the place. Oh. Like like a madman he actually killed the blacksmith and the store clerk ended up shooting him and as he lay dying supposedly he said such is life boys <laughs> now it does smell like dead me <laughs> he didn't say that he just said such is life boys but he should have <laughs> <laughs> that's typo worked out right there such a vindictive man who had set his sights on that fateful day, he's believed to still be out there. Another story, more of legend, is actually about Lucy and Herman Stricker. Lucy is said to have killed Herman. <gasps> yup. Not Lucy. You guessed it. With an axe. <laughs> you love your axes. <laughs> After she killed him, she pulled his dead body down the stairs. And it is said that in doing so, she left a terrible blood stain down the stairs. Lucy lived in the home 30 years after Herman had died, and she ended up dying in the home as well. After the Stricker's daughter moved out in the 70s, the home sat abandoned, and the once cared for garden became overgrown and creepy, kind of like mine. <laughs> and of course, the legend of the murder and creepy factor of such an old home brought many teenagers and locals out to break in, uh-huh. especially to see the stain of blood left on the stairs. Oh, jeez. They would, of course, also do seances, Ouija boards, and all that good stuff. I'm sure in 30 years she cleaned the stairs. It was still there. The no, stain. I don't believe that. <laughs> That's what they all said. The great, great grandson of the Strickers, Curtis Johnson, said that they actually had to go in and tear the stairs out so that people would stop breaking in. Now, today the home is owned by the Historical Association. They do tours of the home on Sundays and the grounds have plaques explaining the area and the remaining buildings that still stand. These buildings are the Stricker home, the cellar, which is this like crazy looking stone log cabin thing that's like built into a hill. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It was used as the wet and dry cellar for the saloon and the store. But it was also used at times for people to hide from Native American attacks. Oh, yeah. And was also used as a jail. 
for a time. It's really cool looking though. Like it's creepy, but it's like really cool how they built it into the hill like right. that. It's really neat. And they like dug down obviously for the wet cellar. So there's also an outhouse that's still out there <laughs> and the store, which looks like this log cabin. So hauntings. <laughs> Please. <laughs> there have been a few caretakers for the home to keep an eye on the property for the historical society two of which had some really cool experiences. One of them said that he absolutely dreaded sleeping there. He never saw anything, but in the evening, he would hear music playing from the parlor. Oh. He only worked there for six months. Months. (laughs) I'm out of here. The other caretaker had a dog out there with him, a Scottish terrier. Her name was Brittany, who would bark and let him know when they had a visit from a young girl in a long white dress. Oh, possibly the young girl that died and was buried out in the cemetery. He said that she would never speak, but would vanish as quickly as she appeared. Many investigations have been done out at the property, of course. There are a few YouTube videos of such out there. One of them captured so much on their night. It was crazy. Yes. Tons of orbs and EVPs, like just constant talking. It, it was just it was insane. The orbs actually also looked like they were like it would, they would have their X cameras or cameras that were just on rooms as they were recording in other places of the house. Mm-hmm. And you would just see this orb just like get up off the chair, get up off the end of the bed like it was sitting down and it was just getting a light anomaly would just stand up and like leave. It was so crazy. Wow. And the EVPs were lots of intelligent responses. Like they would ask, can you make the meter go off? And the response would say, I already did. They also captured several EVPs of a woman singing. Now, could you hear these distinctly? Yes. Okay. Yes. It isn't like I know, our favorite show where like, they say Ghost it Adventures. Like, Man, I thought we could get through an episode without <laughs> mentioning them. <laughs> them and Nicolas Cage. I mean, come on now. It's like, I don't think I heard that, but say it five more times. No, I can hear it clear as day. And then the woman singing, it is this ever so faint, like in the like echoey kind of, mm-hmm. you could tell it's like in another realm. Like it's, it's so crazy. Now, granted, this is YouTube. This is a very small little, but they took themselves very seriously. They all had matching shirts and like they took themselves very seriously. So I doubt that they were making this stuff up. But some of the stuff they captured was so neat. It was so neat. So she was singing and they assume it was Lucy. And that guy would hear music down in the parlor. So maybe she just really liked to play music in the evenings. Yeah. I mean, she was hosting people all the time. So giggling and laughter is heard in the parlor. There was this group I found that made their YouTube video back in 2012. And the man, he, I mean, they had this whole like really cool like intro and, and everything. But they captured EVPs of heavy breathing and sighing. And they captured this EVP that the group has this huge debate over. And they're like talking about it. And they like do these little interviews one on one in their little YouTube video about the debate of what this EVP says or what this EVP (laughs) is. Now, the EVP sounds like a growl, like this guttural growl. So they argued that either, yes, it was in fact a growl or it may have actually just been a fart. (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious. 
they were arguing about this. They got some serious parts going on. They were super serious about their investigation. So the Historical Society has the tours on Sundays of the home, but they also do what they call Stricker After Dark, which is an event in October. They set up like this haunted house on the grounds with actors and they do tours of the home telling about the legends and the spooky stories. I saw that they have bonfires and concessions and it costs $5 a person. Are you kidding That's me? It's so stinking cool. Oh. So with all of its amazing history, I mean, it was one of the first settlements out there on the Oregon Trail. It's really a cool place. I, I think I'd really want to go. I will end up with saying that Lucy Stricker did not, in fact, kill her husband, Herman. But, in fact, Herman died peacefully in his sleep in 1920. The family actually laughs at the legend, and they say that Lucy would have really loved hearing it. (laughs) Really? (laughs) She sounds like a character. I think I would have liked to meet Lucy. (laughs) So that is Stricker Ranch. Oh, that's fun. You know, um... Do we stop there before or after we get our two pints? Mm, let's go have our pints first and then go out to Stricker. Okay. And then have our pints again Get some later. liquid courage. Yeah. And then we can go back and get more pints. And Well, that was a cute story. <laughs> Thank you. I try. <laughs> well, you know, those little grave sites are just so cool. The little family cemeteries. Yeah. And it's it's... I'll see if I can find a picture. I couldn't find any pictures when I was doing my research. So I had to watch that YouTube video of the guys walking the whole mile. But I'll see what I can find because it's really kind of eerie. It's literally in the middle of a cattle field, like in the middle of nowhere. But that's, I mean. And the fence looks like how it would have looked back mm-hmm. in the day, like the wood planks and everything. But you can tell it is newer. But the actual grave sites themselves are so old. It's so crazy. So next week's true crime story does not have as many characters in it. (laughs) That's probably a good thing. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it'll be a little easier to follow, I think. (laughs) But mom will keep us up to date on that court case and everything that's going on because that's crazy. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to us. Again, you can find us on all social media where I'll post pictures from the episode and kind of keep in touch with you about cases we've covered or this and that that you might be interested in. Do us a favor. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, it really is a huge help when you rate and leave a review for us. Yes, please do. We really appreciate that extra little boost there. And those that have done that, thank you, thank you, thank you. We really and thank appreciate you for you your Facebook comments. We really appreciate those. Yes, too. we love the Facebook comments and all the messages we've been getting. Keep the stories coming. I think we are going to do a little mini episode with a couple of our stories because we've had some really good ones. Yes. Yep. That would be fun to just have a, a listener episode. Yeah, that would be fun. We can drink our own personal beverages. Yeah, because <laughs> I didn't like tonight's. <laughs> I didn't like tonight's beverage. <laughs> All right, so next week we'll be covering the state of New York. Yes, and it's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's going to be fun. Mine's a little emotional, but I mean, come on of now. Of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> All right, guys, have a great, fantastic, wonderful week. All right, don't roll your faces at me. <laughs> she got a few cookies loose. All right, this was fun, Mama. Yes, it was. Cheers, Mama.
Love you, kid.